0: hi jeremy
1: hi Raphael. (laughs) (laughs) you just had a hard computer crash i just had a hard reset so we like to our listeners our dear listeners this has never happened in 55 episodes or whatever uh we had like my computer crashed mid-recording and i have to say i was really pleased with what we were recording i actually really like we only have your side of the conversation yeah we were getting somewhere what were we, ah, we were talking about <laughs> i don't even we, know where we started start. we
0: started on snapchat but maybe we can skip that part because who cares
1: i don't know i've yeah. like i like that part but okay. basically we, we we're t- i mean we were talking we wanted maybe to talk we about summarize
0: fame. it like you were talking <sighs> about how how you ask young people can you teach me snapchat and they're like uh i gotta be nostalgic. <laughs> it's kind of boring this app
1: well the whole thing started with like our podcast is like Snapchat <laughs> because we <laughs> because we don't introduce what the podcast is about oh, at the beginning okay, of the podcast. Okay, okay. That's where I started. And so, I think so so
0: a, a common podcast will go like, Hi, I'm such and such from such and such. But I don't know if that's true no, this for our podcast.
1: This isn't a cool way to do this. This is a terrible episode. Okay, so the, let's just get into it. All right. Yeah. We, I, was, I did a cool intro that segued from Snapchat. It was beautiful. It was beautiful into fame. We wanted to talk about fame. Yeah. <laughs> and we were just talking about Andy Warhol, and we were talking about, um, obviously, his famous quotes. And I don't know. why I'm, I'm not going to do a whole summary version of this podcast. It's a, No, <laughs> no. So we, but, we
0: can just start somewhere else and end up at Warhol.
1: Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can start somewhere else. I but do if, think it's worth but we, talking but about. What we
0: can talk about, it, maybe because this is an art and technology podcast, and, and the time we came up and uh, the allure of online recognition and get, finding an audience.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I've always called myself a famous new media artist, and uh, you said don't explain the joke, but I will explain that like it was a little bit. Of, it was a response to um, a you know a promise. You know, the internet came along. Every, it, it promised that everyone could be famous, right?
0: Well, I felt that very strongly from the beginning. I felt that the, the art world is full of gatekeepers and uh, my sense of humor was not appreciated. That was clear that mm-hmm. it was not part of what you're supposed to do. Right. And then the Internet came along and uh, I always said, I am on the same screen as Coca-Cola and the Guggenheim. So I have the exact same uh, exact same real estate. so the exact mm-hmm. same opportunity. Yeah, and and that feels different now when you can buy viewers and you have professional teams to do social media and all that stuff. But it's still kind of true that people prefer to follow individuals than to follow institutions. So
1: yeah. So what I found interesting though is to like trace uh, fame historically. So if we go back to um, the let's talk about the Andy Warhol quote that we were referring to in our first version of this podcast, <laughs> which is that you know Andy Warhol is most probably the most famous pop artist and the most the most famous quote attributed to Andy Warhol that also kind of makes him famous is um, this quote of, in the future, everyone will be famous for 15 minutes, right? Andy Warhol actually... And, and, and to
0: put it in context, all his work, like, even him as a teenager, he adored movie stars, he collected, signed uh, photos of, of movie stars, and he just wanted to be famous. And he was very open about that. Like, I think most artists would never say, Especially then, they're like, "No, I'm. I'm just going to show you the inner depth of, of my soul, and I don't care about fame, and I'm. I'm very genuine." Right. And, and he always said, "All I want is to be famous." His work was about movie stars and hanging out with movie stars. Right. And so, yeah. but it's a very vulnerable thing to say, "I want to be famous," because you might not be.
1: I mean, there are a few other artists that uh, you know you could mention, but yeah, there's general introspection and alcoholism that was like a, like depression that ran through the art world. I mentioned, I think, you know, that um, Duchamp no, What, what, was I, what I mean like, is,
0: is, is before Warhol, yeah. it, of course, they wanted to be well-known uh, uh, by the right people, but they didn't want to be famous like a movie star.
1: Mm, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so he's the first artist that Except wanted D- to... Except
0: Dali, that's different. Yeah.
1: In Canada, it's funny, we had a, a prime minister around the same time. And I wonder, you know, because when the podcast quit, I was trying to make a point about this time when Warhol came up as well. Um, But we had a a prime minister in Canada uh, who uh, was Pierre Trudeau, and he was like the first pop star prime minister that we had. Like he hung out with the Rolling Stones. He He was was, your JFK. Yeah, he was our JFK and JFK was coming up that time too. like these young kind of like hip, but like pop star politicians, like prior to that time, that was like, definitely not a thing. So around this, like culture of fame, you know, Warhol was tapping into something that was, I think, happening anyway, which most successful people do, right? It they was also the
0: era of, of TV and telephone becoming mainstream.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so there was a TV in every home and people like Marshall McLuhan were saying we now have a global village, right? There's a TV in every home and we're able to all share collective experience.
0: And now we we have millions of global villages that hate each other. That's right.
1: (laughs) And now we have global uh, war and genocide. (laughs) But um, what I found really interesting in terms of my history or what like the stuff I've studied about that time is that, you know, you couldn't have your face on television... Uh, In the 1960s, unless you were a politician or unless you were famous or unless you had like, maybe killed someone made it onto the national news. But otherwise, getting your face on television, technically speaking was almost impossible. Uh, And that is until Sony came out with this uh, revolutionary video camera that we've talked about before on the podcast called the Sony Portapak. Nam June Pike was the first person in America to buy this uh, camera and recorded the first ever video recording, just like some, you know, happening outside. He was caught in traffic um, and, and and showed it in a gallery and called it video art. But, like, that was revolutionary because the idea that you could create your own media for television was just unheard of. It,
0: it, so it, it wasn't, just, just to, to be clear, it would be your face on a device locally, but it wouldn't be your face on NBC. Right, it wasn't
1: broadcast. That said, yeah. like, artists, like... I think William Wegman's one of the funnier, best examples of that started to like reflect back what it was like to, they kind of made satire about the media. So because the television, you know, unlike film, which is all film is like always been artist, like artist driven kind of, it's always, it's, it's not as commercial television has always been commercial film in some ways at some points you could argue has been artful or artistically driven in some way. There's been like that concept of an auteur has existed Forever. there are no television tours, so i mean you could argue that's not the case but regardless it was always a commercial medium it was just for selling advertising um and it was like oh we can put an advertising display in every home that's really what the, <laughs> the history <laughs> of television is and so when artists got a hold of it like william wegman's a really interesting one to look at because he like he made these in his studio these little almost like ads um as artworks with his dog and he would play with the language of advertisement but in a very personal way and so this idea of recombining one's personality and persona with the capital culture of television, with the, commerci- so the commercial aspects of TV. And his work is really raw and fresh, and it's exciting to look at at that time because it's the first time people could actually make fun. They could talk back to TV on TV. Yeah. Um, even if no one else saw it, like the, the, you said. like
0: I want to intersect a little bit, inject a little more art, but mm-hmm. um, I think any artist in the history of time the architect who got to design the pyramids and the sphinxes and whoever, they had to make a name for themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's almost like if you want to make a painting, you need a canvas. But if you wanted that painting to be seen, the artist persona and creating a mystique and fame and all these things seem very shallow, but they're a survival mechanism. Mm -hmm. So uh, in the same way that an actor has to become well-known, uh, an artist has to become well-known to sustain a practice, that's mm-hmm. what you call it. So it there's so many legends about all the artists that uh, uh, people would write down then. And then there's more recent examples. But I think everyone who is in art school is like, oh, I, I have to make a name for myself.
1: Okay, so yeah, let's go back to fundamentals on this before we get into my historical trajectory. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, I mean that's interesting. Like, if maybe I mean,
0: I mean, when we came out of school, internet Mm -hmm. was the avenue, and maybe ten years before, it was like cable access TV. And but all these things, basically, as an artist, you're trying to make a setup that you have freedom to do what you want, and so fame is one of the tools.
1: Well, for me, the internet, like the reflection i had on it though was like very similar to william wegman which is like even as i was just starting to make i was making video for the internet the internet was already becoming a commercial primarily a commercial medium even though it it was actually it's interesting because it was packaged and sold originally as like a way to allow everyone to have the means of production right everyone yeah it was kind of
0: utopian cyberpunk Yeah, Yeah. it's
1: like, now we can all get together, you know, in a place without commerce. The same way people
0: now are like, oh, Bitcoin is going to make everything better.
1: Yeah, but you can't help but reflect today on the commercial aspects of the internet. Is there anything
0: commercial on the internet?
1: Everything about the internet is commercial. There is no non-commercial. I mean, of course, there's open source. Yeah. 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 I haven't met that. I'm terrible at detecting your deadpan. Every time. <laughs> <laughs> That's my secret. That's your secret, yeah. Um, well, some people argue, though, it's impossible to displace um, the Internet giants now. That that was a very limited window um, where several companies and people became The same super way rich.
0: it's with oil or any major industry. Yeah. It's like big infrastructure.
1: Yeah, there was a massive disruption, and that doesn't happen... That only happens, you know, once in a in a generation, and that and that happened, and people seized on it, and you know, those people got wealthy very quickly. But it's very hard to do that again or now. Or Apparently, they buy you up, yeah, yeah. Or those companies buy your company, yeah. yeah. Um, but one of the companies that has been successful that we we started the first version of this podcast <laughs> recording <laughs> was Snapchat, but they're not so successful anymore. But they they got successful by by intention, kind of putting their middle finger up at the media. By being the, different, you know, yeah. By being different, they said, like, you know what? We're not going to follow your rules. We're gonna, and if you don't understand our app, we're you're not our customer. You're not. We're not for you. We're for people who don't want it the way it is. That we're, is a, you know, we're it's for an self-expression. interesting
0: point. When you make a platform and in software, uh, it's really hard to be a niche product in software and, and sustain a business. And maybe that's the same point I'm making about artists: is that you you mm-hmm. need the fame, you need the momentum, and the users to keep the product going because it, I don't know why, but there's this thing in, in software Growth, yeah. that you just have to be big. It, it's, well, you, yeah. There's because a few the, examples of like Mac developers that have made, mm-hmm. like the, the the company Panic that makes Transmit and they've existed. Yeah, Cable for, Sasser,
1: he's a friend of mine. They've existed the for
0: decades and it's not a huge Microsoft size company, but they mm-hmm. just keep going.
1: They were one of my first, my first jobs was designing interfaces for that company. actually. Yeah. For the original um, audio player that they had to compete against iTunes. Anyway, but uh, that the, I can give you the answer to that question. The reason is because of venture capital, uh, you have to show a certain rate of growth to attract the venture capital. And then the venture capitalist, every venture capital fund has a limited time span, no longer than 10 years. And they need to show a return on v- investment during that period. Yeah, but, and but they you, usually you... require... Yeah. But
0: you would think, okay, that's the strategy if you want to make bazillions. But you could also mm. be like, you just interrupted
1: me as I was giving the secret. <laughs> Keep going. You could also.
0: No, you could also, yeah, go ahead.
1: Well, I just want to tell people because, like, maybe they don't know this that because venture capital firms invest in like a bunch of different startups and there's a high rate of failure, they need the ones that succeed. They have to push growth because they need the ones to succeed to supersede forty percent growth. You know, like, and so. Because that way they can cover all their losses on the failed startups, and so they they'll invest in a startup even if it's the wrong thing to do. To, they'll like push them to grow at that rate even if it's the wrong thing, because when it's right, it covers all the losses, and that and that's what's created the yeah, culture that we. But
0: live. but I think if you start an app and like you'll hear about like oh Twitter's doing so bad and they still have mm-hmm. what, I don't know 400 million users or whatever yeah. If you're like, okay, we're we're a niche app, and we're going to be very happy with five hundred thousand users. But somehow in software, it's all or nothing.
1: Yeah, but that's very forget, different from art. All, what I think is interesting is all those applications, including Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, they're all leveraging Andy Warhol's original insight that oh, everyone yeah. will have fifteen minutes of fame, and yeah, it's yeah. the it's it's the prompt. They all sell the same. They sell the, the same hearts. aspiration. Yeah. Yeah. And so what, you know, of course, the joke is like, and I, I again, I said, I say that this can't be attributed to me. I heard someone else say this, but Andy Warhol said, we'd all want 15 minutes of fame. He just w- didn't know we'd want it every day. Um, yeah. But we all pick up, what's the first thing we every do in minute. the morning? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe the cycles are getting shorter. It's like every 15 minutes, you want your 15 minutes of fame. <laughs> so it's like yeah. just continuous. Um, well, there was can, just uh,
0: <laughs> Sean Parker, the investor in, in Facebook and in, uh, early investor and he's like oh this is terrible well
1: <laughs> is it terrible careful. though like yeah th-
0: uh, no but uh, uh, i don't know if it's terrible but it seems that all the people who make these platforms mm-hmm. are not people uh, maybe it's the same with tv like madonna wouldn't let her kids watch tv
1: okay here's yeah but here's the thing it's terrible because i i started out in, in youtube in the youtube world and like if you make if you have more than ten thousand views uh then you get access to like being paid for your youtube videos right i don't know if you've noticed but i it's hard to watch youtube anymore because you get like continuous ads of course you can buy their youtube brand. product you can product install and ad blocker
0: and then it's fine
1: oh really yeah. why don't i ever install those ad blockers because i make artwork about advertising and i think ads are interesting actually to watch but uh, like i don't want an internet that's it, not the real you know why i internet. think
0: the ai is not going to take over and and, and mm. like be so smart because it's sh- they always show the worst ads that I, they show me car ads and i don't have a driver's license they could figure that out
1: well did you you saw like there was like a i think it was james brod wrote a medium post this week about um, this like all this content that's being produced for children on youtube that uses algorithms to produce <laughs> the content but like it's pretty creepy like they're swapping heads on dogs and cats and stuff and it like they put it in the kids youtube category yeah. Um, so YouTube's not even necessarily just humans that are creating the content anymore. It's also algorithms, mm. but I digress a little bit because like, I want to go back to, you know, so I started in you in that YouTube world and you could just do anything crazy on YouTube to begin with. I remember even like I was consulting and marketing. I was like, you know, on viral videos, people were always asking me, how do you have a viral video? Cause I had had a couple. And I was just like, do something weird. <laughs> it's the <laughs> internet. Uh, there's not much going on there. <laughs> there's not much going on yet. Not everyone's, not everyone has a broadband connection. Um, and so like, you could kind of get famous. I remember I had a video before I was on YouTube, a video like on my website that was like reblogged on like all those big sites, like boing, boing and all those. And I can remember the feeling of being recognized out in the street for the first time when people were like, Oh, you're that guy. And I was like, World's Strongest Nerd uh, was the headline. Like they had definitely taken my video and recontextualized it as like a diss. But regardless, the feeling of being recognized kind of blew me away. But I I
0: think part of why that feeling is interesting and why you care about it is because you can be like, oh, people are so vain and they just want likes and they collect likes, and Mm -hmm. but it really. Fame gives you access to things that you don't have without the fame. And there's many different kinds of fame. There's academic fame. There's institutional fame. But it, it, basically, once you, your name goes out, then all of a sudden, more people want to work with you. So, of course, you're going to be happy with, if, if more people are going to work with you and you can spread your ideas more.
1: Well, I mean, the initial feeling is like one of validation, like, oh, I did something that other people appreciate. And if like, I would, yeah, you know, but I think maybe there's you're...
0: a deeper survival instinct that, you know, as an artist mm. that if, if you want to continue as an artist, you need people right. to work with you. You need people who show your work and who validate I see. it. And, and it, it's like when you get good reviews on Amazon for your product, then people start to trust it. So you need more people to you, you can't go around saying I'm great. You need other people to say, no, 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 this is great.
1: And it's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's what you're saying, though, is that like every artist, actually, whether or not they admit it, really requires fame as a material for their practice. Well,
0: yeah, exactly. It, it, and and fame is, is very different. Like you could be completely unknown to the mainstream world, but every important collector in the world has one of your pieces and they sit on the board of museums and they push you. So I I don't know if mm-hmm. you would call that fame or success, but
1: Well, that's what yeah. I mean, I was watching this film uh like it was a very Canadian film about this like painter named Maud who lived out in um, Nova Scotia and she is like she painted her home and then she painted these tiny little postcards and she eventually became this like world famous folk painter and people would like drive out of their way to her tiny little cabin in the middle of nowhere to buy her paintings. Um, But she never sold them for more than $5. (laughs) And it's, you know, the spirit of her painting. And she was, she had this like crippling arthritis. And, you know, so it was like the art, the altruist artist, you know, the altruist artist who's famous was, is like the pinnacle thing. Like they just were so devoted to their craft. She, it was never about the fame for her, it was almost like to be famous has to never be about the <laughs> the fame, and that's what's interesting about Andy Warhol because it was fa- about the fame from the very beginning, right? Yeah. And yeah, if you I, look at if I, you look at contemporary people like Kim Kardashian, it's always been about the fame, right? The idea of being famous as material. Andy Warhol kind of coined that, and now that's just like a well, popular yeah, kind yeah. of consciousness. Thing.
0: It, it seems like before the idea of fame was like get really good at something, and then you'll be known for that, and then people will pay you to do what you love. That's yeah. But now it's more like, well, just get famous and then figure out what you want to sell.
1: Right, exactly. Like, so first order of business, we're going to get famous. <laughs> yeah. And then. Well, you do the sex I tape think... and then. <laughs> well, it's interesting, That's too, because musicians. That's what
0: made musicians... Kardashian famous,
1: right? What? What, and what was it? Paris Hilton, the, that... sex,
0: the sex tape.
1: That was part of a, maybe a strategy or something? Yeah, because
0: it worked for Paris Hilton and then.
1: You know what's really interesting about that that I'm just reflecting on? We haven't got to that point in the podcast. I'm just going to take us there that right now there's a lot of press around men who are famous taking advantage of women. Um, Louis C.K. being like the most disturbing one this week. Um, But what's interesting is what you just referred to were women who were like utilizing the sex tape as a way of like creating... Um, cultural kind of importance for themselves. Mm-hmm. It was almost like a, like turning it upside down a little bit. Yeah, uh, it's like adding uh,
0: jet fuel to the attention economy.
1: Right, yeah. Actually, because like, I never really thought of those as like feminist acts in a way. I could be totally off and wrong on this, and our listeners can definitely send me hate mail, but I wonder if it's like a feminist act of <laughs> empowerment to become famous for creating for releasing your own sex tape. Hmm. 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 Yeah, like consider. like with, with Hulk <laughs>
0: Hogan it was the opposite. They released his sex tape and then he, <laughs> he was basically out of out of work, but then he sued them. And then Peter Thiel, right. they, man, we're living in that a crazy That was the Gawker world. Media scandal. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it does seem like we live like, in a world now where famous people are like, well, we can massively... say that fame is, is a
0: crazy currency and it, it's it's electric like it can jump any direction without your control like like so, like you said like the the same kind of it's not the same event, but the the a sex tape for Hulk Hogan or a sex tape for Kim Kardashian are two very different things
1: Mm-hmm. and there are different kinds of fame that you know I, I'm thinking about like I was just asking, you know, I here's a question for you like do you think Compared to 1960, are there more famous people or less famous people? And are they given that there are they were once like from four television networks or five film studios, but now it's like five hundred thousand YouTube it's channels. Hard, and, yeah, it's
0: hard to know. Um, I think now you know, like a lot of people. If you look at music, it's maybe before it seemed like the, the general trends and fashions were like. Oh, this is it for the next two years, and then this is it, and now there's just like a million things happening yeah, at the but same time. Yeah,
1: you're bringing a good example because I've heard that it's, there are almost no musicians who make any money except for like five top musicians who also tend to now own the software and the music label. Like Beyonce can make. I don't know a, if that's true. Because I think there's, there's
0: tons of artists in the 80s, and the 60s, who had to sue the record companies, and the record companies would never pay them. So I, I don't know if it was mm-hmm. better or worse.
1: So it's like it was still bad then. Like you could be famous and poor then and no I, one cared. I I
0: saw an interview with Blondie and they were very successful and they never got any money for the records.
1: Mhm. Yeah, no that's it. I mean I I know that musicians suffer more than anyone but because people equate fame with immediate financial reward. Uh, I was like I heard a story this this week from someone who said like it was it was a sad story about Corey Haim or something applying for like a job at MTV. <laughs> and it they Corey and like then he did, he was like a like a film star, like teen heartthrob. Was he the one know, from the Goonies? Um. Yeah, he's from like a like a bunch of anyway, like, a famous person. He became like youth actor, got down on his luck, drugs, yeah. and so on and so forth. Then he like had to apply the, for a regular job.
0: I think he had a TV show, The Two Corys, and it was about them trying to get back in the game. Right. Right.
1: right. But it, I mean, it's a pretty, like, I guess I just bring it up is it's like a, there's a pretty common um, kind of narrative or trope of like fame and then um, like decline to the lowest level. And then um, people love that story. They love that story.
0: Yeah. I think with art, like, for a while, the big thing was that uh, collectors were just buying to flip and it was going to destroy all these young artists. And then there were people who peaked too early. And then
1: that's interesting. Okay. Let's yeah. talk about that for a little bit. Um, this podcast and this we're well, in this transition point yeah. where we're trying to figure things out for our listeners but that is one interesting thing to talk about which is like i've heard very many times as an artist that one of the worst things that you can invite early in your career is too much fame and attention well, uh, for uh, a particular kind it, of yeah. work
0: it, it, but it's a bit in the in the beginning of your career you don't have a lot of leverage so it, i saw an interview with mike judge when he was making beavis and butthead and um MTV basically gave him a really bad deal, and in retrospect, like, he didn't own the rights to the merchandising and etc. cetera. Uh, he was on Howard Stern, so he's always Howard Stern is always asking a lot about financial details, and mm-hmm. it, so basically he got a bad deal. But the show was very successful, and so looking back, he's like, yeah. I mean, that's Beavis and Butthead was such a big invention. You don't invent stuff like that every day. So they really, <laughs> you know, that's your Beatles period. It's like, and you should get the fruits of that. And he's like, yeah, I could have been a real hard ass negotiating at that time, but then they would have just taken another animation show. So it's kind of a shit if you do, shit if you don't. Because you and, didn't have a reputation. And yeah. So my point is if, if this curse of like a young artist peaking too young, what's better, not peaking at all or peaking for a brief moment and rebounding rebound, and it's it's, it's it's so hard to, you can't A, B test.
1: Sure, but the stereotype we all know, or maybe we don't know, I'll just repeat it, is like it's usually the painter, right? And it's like painter has show of dot paintings, market goes crazy for dot paintings, buys them you know, up in, at a record level Gallerist says, "Make more dot paintings so that we can continue to pay the rent." Uh, You know, young artist says, "Of course, I'll make what you know, but I want to make this other more creative work." Gallerist is like, "I don't care what you want to make; just keep making the thing that people like." Well, also sometimes it's
0: the artist, uh, him or herself, who's like, "Oh, I love this, but I want to buy a house upstate, so I'm going to make some more." (laughs)
1: Sure, sure. And then, like, next year, dot paintings are tired and out of fashion because it was just a trend um, yeah, but, and it wasn't But actually... my point is
0: maybe that it's it's very hard to know, uh, in retrospect, like, what was the good or bad decision.
1: For the artists in that, in that particular case?
0: Yeah, yeah. Because but w- I think... what if the artist was like, no, I will only make three of these dot paintings, and then nobody knows <laughs> about it, and there was a lot there to discover, so he didn't really... Go, it's true. He, him or her didn't really go deep into the idea.
1: So. Yeah, and they could just bank the money and use that to invest in, an, in the next series. And I think that's what you know a successful artists do. But a lot of them never get their next Beavis and Butthead. And so they do their first Beavis and Butthead and then they like can't recreate it because it's an unusual standard to have reached fame at such a young age, right? And this is true among child actors too. They can never really reattain that because yeah. they're competing against an unrealistic standard that was overinflated by a market. Um, and therefore, they feel like, oh, this is hopeless, right? I mean,
0: up. one of the core problems is that so, so fame is, is helping you as your material. It, the same way you need uh, paintbrushes or you need more RAM in your computer, you also mm-hmm. need some fame to keep going. Yeah. But uh, once you start to focus too much on the fame, I, I saw a documentary on Basquiat, and he was so focused on being famous. Also, the mm. whole graffiti thing is all about getting your name out, literally. You're just scribbling the name politi- everywhere to get, to get famous. I think
1: that's a really good point, though. and It's an interesting example in relationship with what I was saying about getting your face on TV, which is like, you know, graffiti was the first act of self-advertising in the face of, like, rampant advertising, like billboards and yeah. posters yeah. up around cities. It's like, fuck you, I'm going to write my name on top of your yeah. advertisement you paid for.
0: Yeah, and so I was like, oh, I, I want to show with the best gallery, and then the best gallery didn't mm-hmm. want him because uh, he, uh, Castelli Gallery was getting kind of old. He, he represented a lot of minimal artists and pop artists, and it was the most respected gallerist, and mm-hmm. he's like, oh, I can't deal with another young artist, it's too much at my age. So he was very depressed, and um, I don't know, I can't remember how he died, probably drugs, but...
1: What, basket? Yeah. Yeah, it was drug overdose. Yeah. but it, He was depressed. It was the, like suicide-based. Yeah,
0: exactly. But the, there was, a in the documentary, they interviewed Jeffrey Deitch, Mm-hmm. And oh, really? And he said he saw him, like, a few days before he died, sitting alone at a bar, and I think Costelli had... Let him down, and he was just so sad, and he was so hung up on this validation. So mm-hmm. it feels like you should just see fame as a tool that can help you uh, do more. But if you really start to take it seriously, and it's like, oh, if Costelli doesn't like me, I'm a failure. And then-
1: yeah, well, I wonder how like a like a Kim Kardashian, if she hadn't managed to like spin off into video games and <laughs> makeup lines and things, she, whether she, yeah. She or Mary like, Kanye West or whatever, right? Like if she, she had, she would have like, been a painter. Well, I'm no, I'm just trying to think, like, because fame was the material, but then fame became. It, it's, I don't think that's the material she uses anymore, right? Because she's spinning off of all, all these other products and different. Um, she's basically
0: a marketeer.
1: Yeah, a marketer kind of. Yeah, like yeah, marketer. She she's using her brand. So w- one thing you did. Like,
0: I thought you were saying she's using her breasts instead of brand. No
1: brand. Like, yeah. I, well, I didn't finish my sentence, but I think like building a brand which would have been a disgusting statement like a personal brand if i said this 10 years ago you know it would be like people like immediately i'm stop, i'm not yeah, listening yeah. to this podcast anymore but now it's considered like it's pretty standard it's funny because i was like helping someone at work recently and i'm like i'm just like pulling all this brand stuff off the shelf because i knew i was talking to them and you know, trying to understand what they were trying, you know, what, 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 are the, what's driving them? You know, why are you here? Why do you want to work here? You know, and a lot of brand exercises actually help you do this, I would encourage our listeners to like, just give this a chance, like, basically, like in a way, the like evolution of brands is like superior to the to a lot of the ways, psychological development we've even given ourselves, right? So we've given more privilege and nurture, we've nurtured brands and products more than we've nurtured our own humanity. Well, also <laughs> so, because
0: humans are very complex. So if, if you love sneakers and you're like, oh, I like the red one with the blue laces. Yeah. Oh, there's a new one. It's pink with gold laces. I like that. It's a lot simpler <laughs> than uh, keeping up with people.
1: Well, I'm just saying that a lot of us like, yeah, invest more in brands than we invest in ourselves. And so, you know, and you start to represent yourself through brands for that. That's, that's the evidence I have. That we should just take the same brand exercises that the brand, the companies that brand themselves, like Apple or Nike, whomever, are using, and try just try, as a fun exercise, applying it to yourself. So, like, one model you could use might be, like, Simon Sinek's Start With Why. I think I've mentioned that on the podcast before. But you could use, like, Jack, Jack Trout's positioning model. There, are, I'll cite all these, like, examples in the notes. But there are these little frameworks that you can use. To build a brand, and you can apply them to your own life yeah. and personality, and it's really interesting when you do that. What the conversation you have to have with yourself. But, At least I've started to have these conversations with people. Um, it it reminds always, yeah, yeah, it
0: reminds me of how Dalí operated, because mm-hmm. he, it, to me, as far as I know, he was the first uh, self-brander that people always take uh, Warhol as the example, but he did a lot mm. of stuff before Warhol. He he made paintings. That included movie stars and Coke bottles and cars, maybe 20 mm-hmm. years before Warhol. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing I, I like his paintings, but I especially like everything around it. So his his diaries, his uh, uh, products like fashion objects and jewelry and weird phones and movies mm-hmm. and newspapers and he did all kinds of things. And so people asked him in an interview, so. What what is the real art? Is it the paintings? Is it the objects? Is it the 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 popular culture around it? And he's like, no, it's me. Mm-hmm. It's it's me. It's it's the essence of me. It's the personality.
1: Yeah, I and love I, that because and I feel a, like he really
0: a, sensed he was ahead maybe a hundred years where he sensed like what we really care about. I think Sachi said something like, "There's no artworks. There's only artists."
1: Mm. Right, yeah, and um, here's my question, though: it's like, hence our podcast. Why, it, given that history, why is it so offensive to think of this yourself as a brand? Well, like, the, at is... the
0: time with Dalí, it was uh, very offensive. So he he became so famous and so successful that all the serialists were jealous, and mm. then they they made an anagram. They switched the letters of his. His name, uh, so Salvador Dali became Avi Dolares. It, it means uh, love mm-hmm. dollars, and he didn't even hide that fact. <laughs>
1: it's like it's like a rap star. It was like Puff Daddy, like rebranding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but it, it, was, I'm it, it was it
0: was. I think nowadays, if if an artist does a fashion collaboration, people are like, "Oh, good for you." But back mm-hmm. then, it was like, "Oh my god, yeah."
1: Well, I mean, they're good. They're like good for you, but there's always this like s- subtext, like, "Oh, we've gone too far." But one of the interesting things, I think, when you do like a self-branding exercise, which I've played with as material in my own practice for years, is that it forces you to ask yourself some really difficult questions. And that's what I was ty- trying to sort of evoke earlier. Yeah. And also it elevates you. If you think about if brand or advertising is a part of the material necessary for you to achieve your goals, it actually represents the means of production. It represents yeah. the video camera but in I your do, studio. I
0: do understand the concern because everything in this world is is uh, money driven um even even schools now the tuition is so high and uh, money is injected into everything so there's this hope that there's some areas where people do things out of the the interest of their soul and like you you close your eyes you're like this is what i want to focus on you're making
1: (laughs) it you're making the point that i you know i should make or the really good point which is that like we're talking about growth and like why do startups need like endless growth. Why do we as humans need growth? Like, why can't we just be, why can't we just be who we were 10 years ago? Like, why do we have to keep growing? I
0: think it's because famine is the biggest killer in human history. And we're basically, we've, abundance is a survival mechanism.
1: Mm. But like the idea of like, cause when I, when we, when you hire people, like one of the attributes, you know, you always look for is people who say like, I want to learn and grow because, the if they don't want to learn and grow it means they want to stay the same and inherent in that is if they want to stay the same that means they might if they're if we find anything about them that's not quite right or doesn't <laughs> quite fit they're not going to be able to they're going to be stubborn they won't change it'll be difficult to work with that's so the, the same idea with of,
0: grad schools that they, they want artists who are not formed yet they want they want clay that's still soft
1: yeah, yeah, but inherent in that is like some judgment that you're not correct the way you are. Yeah, which I think is probably like a, a very corrupting influence. Well, and I, I, wonder... I think
0: that's the big, the big question. Like, how do you get to be an artist? And you have to somehow, uh, either through being independently wealthy or notorious or loud or uh, hardworking, but somehow you have to create a shield around you that you just don't listen to other people. Mm. only if it makes sense but basically you're shutting yourself off from the world and then you need some kind of support whether that's fame or whatever it is i just
1: i go back to the, like the Nam June pike kind of quote well, this is not a quote but or his feeling that like the pepsi bottle like the commercial on television was his paintbrush which is to say that like fame or brand or growth could also be your paintbrush if you're if you're using it if you're misusing it like not for its original intent but for an intent that helps you be more you then this sounds super yeah. cheesy now i but, but then, it, yeah, then it's then funny then you it, can get so good you. at
0: that game that you stop being you
1: right I've, I've been told this before too that this is like a it's like a it's a circle it's uh, the same thing with instagram where you, you
0: might become really good at instagram and you're like, you look back a little bit and like hey why am i why did i like this yeah
1: mm-hmm and I think do you I mean do you ever feel guilty for the fame that you have versus the quality of your work like so because out of the gate Raphael Rosendahl, you know you put something new out into the world and you're gonna get more attention for it than someone who might be doing something better who's just starting out like mm-hmm. just because you've done a whole bunch of other things I
0: don't know though like if if I look at uh, um, for example that uh, that VR project by Jeff Koons, it got mm-hmm. a, a oh, bunch of press yeah. releases, but I don't think in general people are excited about that work. They don't think it's such a good work. And maybe if he makes a really good sculpt. So I think no matter how famous you are.
1: Like the acute video VR platform work that you do, <laughs> yeah. just a, a stupid balloon dog and a yeah, park. Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no.
1: It wasn't that. It was uh, the ballerina dancing around. It was terrible though. It was like,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So that got a yeah. lot of press, but I don't think it caught on. So you, you can't push a a dud. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Right. People can see through that, I guess. Up until a certain point, because there's still this <clears throat> society of spectacle, right? Yeah. We're still looking for, because the famous person is the greatest spectacle, right? It's the anthropomorphization of, like, it's it's the performance of fame and spectacle yeah, that, we're, that a, we're drawn to. It's and, an and,
0: abstraction and, 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 of love. Like and like,
1: we it. also like seeing the decline of that, <laughs> those people too, right? Like, as soon as you... You, they get up there. We want to bring them back down. Well,
0: all the tabloid magazines always feature pe- the worst pictures of stars to see like, oh, look, they look terrible on Sunday morning, mm-hmm. just like you. But are,
1: is there any artists? I mean, there, I guess there are artists examples of that. Damien Hurst probably being one of the more famous ones where it, after his he market made the, crashed. Yeah. His, hasn't it crashed? It I has, mean, yeah. He, he, yeah. And then and he tried to buy back some of his work to, I, I assume, to stabilize the market, almost like a, he was like a yeah. company buying back stock. Um, but that was, like, after he made, like, a, the most expensive artwork ever made. It was It'd be just funny about if the how board fires him, like,
0: the way Apple fired Steve Jobs. I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. no, sorry, dude, you're out.
1: He's crestfallen. <laughs> Damien Hirst. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting, though, but because...
0: Uh, it, it, the question, like, whether you feel guilty for a position of mm-hmm. privilege is... Uh, no, I don't. Well,
1: because it's built on the attention of others. I, don't, I guess it's like... Um... No,
0: but it, I see it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, social media is, is good and it's terrible at the same time, but there's a lot of people that I want to keep up with that I don't see so often. Uh, friends that I've made through mm-hmm. the years, and some of them are artists, and mm-hmm. I love seeing what they're up to. So if they show me a shot from their studio or the opening yeah. of their show... I really enjoy keeping up that way. And okay. if, if Instagram didn't exist and I would have to wait for them to be famous enough to be an art forum, right. and a lot of my friends, I wouldn't be able to keep up with what they're doing. So for me, mm-hmm. it's it's a very efficient vehicle. And there's the downside is this envy machine where people always post way too nice versions of their life. And mm-hmm. that can be a bit depressing. But the, the, the upside for me is really I, I get to see a lot of people's process it's like an open studio
1: right i mean it it is a beautiful thing uh when you think about it like uh, even though i call myself a famous new meteorist i'm by far like less famous than most than like by margins of you know ridiculous amount and i i've been saying it since i no one knew who i was um but like The thing that's always been wonderful for me or the reason I started doing that in the first place was or one of the reasons was that like the Internet did promise that everyone could be famous. You do often feel famous if there are even just 10 people that you can hang out with online because they're not from your immediate context. And this is like one of the descriptions of fame that I think like goes all the way back to like, you know, whenever time like the night Cary Grant in the 1950s receiving like a note from an anonymous stranger who admires the work that you do. Does even if it was just one person in the world, it's almost like that I feel like I'm Oprah now, and I'm like, if you could do one thing mm-hmm. <laughs> for your fellow human, it's like send someone you, you admire from afar, send someone you admire from afar a, a love note or a letter of appreciation, because we don't often appreciate each other, but it is a great feeling. Well,
0: and and, and this idea of guilt like, that you're on a higher platform or something... Mm-hmm. Um, i think people still discovering love discovering new stuff and unknown stuff that's a very special feeling
1: but i guess my point and i often start my artist talks this way is that i believe that everyone has a right to feel famous you know what i'm saying to feel appreciated but do you think because it's uh, because
0: I, it's but weird. i think At if you miss day it's just a, a a tool to make the work possible
1: well, if separate fame from financial reward, which is the truth for most artists, and what you end up with is feeling appreciated. And yeah. because you're donating so much of your time, I don't see anything wrong with people saying like, hey, I deserve, you know, I'm important. I deserve to feel appreciated. And I appreciate others. Throw me some And that's likes. like it. Yeah. Yeah, throw me some likes. Like, what's wrong? Like, why not? <laughs> like, but, uh, is it such a bad thing no, to, no, no, to, no. to desire that Yeah, or to want that? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. but but also, what, of course, what's be funny, comfortable with uh, yourself. What's
0: funny is that, so, okay, uh, connecting with other humans. Th- there's also the other side. Of, we're social, yeah. yeah the, we're social human beings. Yeah. The other side of this is also that if you think of a scientist, and the scientist comes up with an equation, mm-hmm. and the more people know about that equation, uh, like, there's earlier equations in math from the, the mm-hmm. g- Greek times that have helped people fly to the moon and design highways right. and all these things. So you want to create something that other people can build upon. And if nobody knows about it, that's mm-hmm. hard to do. So it, it's not just that you, the person wants to be famous. It's also you're, you're basically as an artist, every work you make is a potential tool for others to build upon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the more people know about it, the better it seems to me.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I recently become like um, someone exposed this. I didn't know that this was a thing, but like, there's this, you know how mindfulness is a big thing. There's this emerging trend. The next mindfulness is this thing called stoicism, which like goes back to ancient Greek, Greek times. Mm-hmm. The, there was like, the
0: don't care philosophy.
1: Well, so Yeah. The stoicism is, is like, I like it. I actually think it's better than mindfulness. <laughs> that's why it's going to catch on, but it's like, you know, control what you can control. But like the, the, yeah, the things in your life that you can't control, just like, don't worry about it, right? Like there's nothing you could do, but but, you know, control the levers that you have, right? And, and when that, and fame is one of those levers, as long as you're in control of it, it's like, I
0: think think you, especially with social media, what you give up Mm. once you start uh, applying yourself to that and give it time is you you give Mm -hmm. up focus. So if, if you have to write a novel, but you're on Instagram all the time, It's Mm -hmm. hard to write a novel. So that's the trade-off.
1: Yeah. Well, I I think that, like, certainly I'm not very focused on um, social media at all anymore. But when I was starting out as a young artist, like, because I really needed that acknowledgement in the short term, like, the cycles were smaller. But now I might work on, as you might, like, a project for a year or even two years. It's like, I don't want the acknowledgement before it's ready. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes I'll share a sketch or something early and I'll get, like, little mini acknowledgements. But... Um, like the time span necessary to compete against my former self is much bigger. Like um, if I want to do a bigger project, like you said, if I wanted to leave, leverage my fame to do something more important, it actually takes a longer time. And you always see these like big stars get to a certain level and then they disappear or a band hasn't released an album in 10 years. My philosophy is that's because like it's really hard to compete against their former, like all the good luck. I guess you said that with the Beavis and Butthead thing, right? Yeah. And so you have it takes like the next half of your life to compete against the first half of your life cuz the first thing you did you had your whole life yeah, to prepare for Yeah there's
0: also tons of examples of one hit wonders in in any medium so
1: Right yeah it's almost impossible to recreate anyway you're very lucky if you're famous and good well, for I, you Well I, I, I think the best
0: trajectory <laughs> if if you're not if you're not in control but hopefully is that you get a little more famous each year like 2% and,
1: so, so I, there's this one uncomfortable thing that I'd like to talk about in relationship to fame, because you and I probably both know a few people who are m- much more famous, like who are legitimately famous.
0: Yeah, I used to hang out with and, Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> he was pretty
1: famous. Like, let's just say Man, like... that fucked
0: him up. As uh, an example of someone who had too much fame.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's where I'm going with this, which is like, or you've seen someone like rise very quickly and... You know, you, you're, you're really good friends with them. You're close. You have a sincere relationship with them. And then the next time you see them, eh, it, you're like, oh, <laughs> you. they're like the way that they speak or like judge others. I don't really like have
0: examples of growing up with someone that I knew before they were famous. Uh, really? I, I have examples of meeting famous people at conferences and speaking to them for half an hour, but that's not like I knew them before, so...
1: But they're like, maybe because you're in their club, but definitely like, I, I don't know. I I have. It's th- not like th- I, th- I
0: was, like Justin Timberlake was in my class and then <laughs> right, right, we right. used to goof off and now he's a, yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. So I know, a few, like, I just know a few people who have, who are, who have written, like, I, I, okay, let's just keep it to artists. Like I know a few artists who have had quick fame and then become really aloof or difficult to communicate with because the the fame becomes a part of, their personality or persona it so they perform fame in a certain way that it only lasts a few years usually and people get through it some but maybe some people don't ever but it's a really uncomfortable in those transition is it because years. of your jealousy no i'm not jealous at all in that context i, I here i'm just saying i've had a few encounters where i'm like oh okay, you know i feel or maybe you're right maybe it's on me maybe i feel judged because i you know i'm not as successful i, I read like this that.
0: book. And the, one of the side effects of, of fame is that you, uh, you don't have to entertain other people or be savvy or say funny things. So famous mm-hmm. people can sit next to you and just kind of be quiet and you'll feel obliged to be uh, the most amazing version of you and come up with cool things to say. <laughs> and they can just look at you like,
1: hmm. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's what I'm feeling. Yeah, You feel but this pressure uh,
0: to be amazing.
1: Yeah, that's probably what it is. I'm probably just, like, I really don't think very much of myself. I'm, like, surrounded by people who are just amazing all the time.
0: That's why you do this podcast.
1: (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah. Well, I guess what I'm saying is, like, I've, you know, in the – we did mention it earlier in the podcast. Some people get famous. There's a certain power and privilege that comes with that that allows them to do things outside of social norms or mores. Yeah. But there's, there's, they... there's a
0: very positive, I feel like in art, you don't have that fame of being recognized on the street too much, but you do have the fame that people are happy to meet you. So if you meet a scientist and you're doing well and they're doing well, and then it's a very mm-hmm. interesting dialogue and maybe you work on something together. So mm-hmm. it's a really nice kind of fame.
1: I guess I, the, the place that the segue I was trying to get to is like, you know, in an art context, certainly musicians do this, but like are you ever in a position to take advantage of someone else because you're famous? And, you know, like, what are the circumstances under which that that, that's okay? Or I, I I kind of have to feel like it's never okay, but like musicians, you know, famous examples like.
0: Why go so negative? I really feel like if you're, if you're more well-known and you go to a production house for 3d production that does a lot of, 3D movies mm-hmm. and uh, quite commercial but then you're like yeah. well I'm an artist and let's say you're Jeff Koons and you walk in and then people are yeah. intrigued and will help you for a lower price because you're an artist or whatever. I'm saying yeah. it, it opens doors it's again this currency that you can uh, all of a sudden a lot of people want to collaborate with you
1: yeah yeah Okay, so you're saying it's, it's universally positive. I well, I, I
0: think the, the, the pop kind of fame when your paparazzi are following you and you can't do groceries anymore, and you might still be poor, so you can't even afford to have a personal assistant, mm-hmm. that seems really shitty. Like I'm I would I'm not interested in that at all. But the kind of fame I mean, where you're like Rem Kohlhaas and every builder in the world wants to work with you, and, yeah, and they I want to do I, their best, and the engineers are like, well, we're doing Rem Kohlha, so we're going to... I know this idea is crazy, but let's just give it all we've got.
1: I guess it's a boring argument, but I'm just saying, like, at what point is you know is it okay for you just to be rude to another human being? Mm-hmm. I, I'd like to think that there is no point, or at what point can you Some, just like, yeah, take funny. advantage of someone else's sometimes, sexuality? Sometimes
0: or, rudeness is also an efficiency, where it, it, you, mm-hmm. a lot of people spend time with chit-chat, and you're like, no, I want to get 500 projects done today, so... Uh, yeah.
1: Well, I do think a few people take advantage of their fame, and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, And I don't think they're using yeah, it as a material. Yeah, and it's funny. It's like
0: a chicken or the egg question. Are they famous because they're an asshole, or are they an asshole because they're famous?
1: Well, yeah, that's like the thing that I'm alluding to. Like, I, I don't know why I'm having such a hard time getting you to admit it, but like that I'm you you meet the so-called like artist jerk who is more successful than the non than the kind artist mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're more famous and a jerk and they get away with it and then they get even more famous off being an even bigger jerk and it's can by being a jerk a can i I you just hear stories all the time like i think you even hear no, like no, james but, franco's but, a total jerk but you know? like it, and he's first, allowed to have an art, art show
0: that you uh, met well, an artist and he he or she probably he was a total jerk
1: that's a good you're putting me on the spot and maybe i'm just referring to mythology and not reality i mean one you know example in hollywood like here's an example of you know, if you're James Franco, you're an actor, you're a terrible artist, but you can still have a show at Perez projects, and you can still be written about an art forum. Meanwhile, like an artist that might have been like working diligently and making work that's 10 times better than you because they don't have fame, the, right? Like, the,
0: it's it's funny because I don't know that many examples. And there's many degrees of fame, but I don't know that many exa- examples of artists who've made amazing work for a decade mm-hmm. and who have not been able to right. sustain their practice. like who really... Right, 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 right. Yeah, maybe if you're doing a very different medium, a, a difficult medium, if it's... Well, certainly
1: social practice and conceptual yeah. practice. Those artists are not going to be making very much money from their work. Yeah,
0: but they'll still have this this currency within their peers that a lot of people want to work with them, so the performers are happy to work for a low mm-hmm. rate. I, I just don't know that many examples. Of, I know examples of really shitty work getting famous, mm-hmm. but I don't know examples of amazing work not getting any recognition.
1: Mm-hmm. I guess I'm just trying to paint a picture of, you know, so do we live in a world, if there's a good point here, where there are a billion or five billion famous people, or do we still live in a world in which there are five famous people and everyone else is basically just working for those people?
0: Um, yeah. I, I mean, the way I see it is... Um, if if you look at restaurants, for example, what are the most famous mm-hmm. restaurants? Is McDonald's, Burger King. People hate those now, so that, that's kind of changed. Um, and and that's and, and if I look at social media, I don't follow celebrities because it's. Um, well, because I'm thinking like
1: startups. It, you know, the idea was of startup culture was like, oh, there will be a.
0: It's liberating a th- and democratizing. No, there'll
1: be there'll be thousands of companies no, that no, all disrupt all no. of the big players. But no, there's five big players yeah, again, it, like the same patterns yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So there's different categories. So if I look at restaurants, the big players are winning and the, those distributors. But what I'm interested in is is small, interesting, uh, family-owned businesses and, and with music also, I like the more obscure, the better. And right. It's it's really fun to discover something that uh, very few people know, but as you and said, you're there's the big players are making most of the money, but that's not what I'm interested in, and and I don't know with yeah yeah the, yeah I,
1: I've talked about this guy Bo Burlingham before on the show. He has this like book about great like companies that are tiny and sustainable and don't try and attract billions of people right like there's a certain level at which it no longer makes sense and the Mm -hmm. quality isn't good and you're actually taking advantage of people you're no longer actually serving a customer and i think the same is true for startups that grow too fast and eventually like the growth is not growth that's sustainable growth what's
0: like a niche software that you use that it's not so huge but you enjoy it very much
1: um like that's super niche like or or like kind of niche.
0: Kind of like not on the scale of Microsoft but like a, a cool uh, open like, GL a tool. People... Or...
1: Oh okay yeah. Yeah, I've had like a lot of little things like that like even written by artists like Kyle McDonald wrote something called Face osc yeah. that I use all the time. And then and software. then
0: you probably you're much happier paying that for that software than paying for a mainstream software.
1: Well, he made that free, you know. Yeah. Like, but <laughs> then you're like do you have a tip research. jar? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess So that's the, the, good the, the
0: other side of fame is that it's really fun to discover things that are not famous.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, this is also like another good point, which is like, you know, I knew them before they were famous is the common like kind of uh, fallback line as if knowing something before it's famous is of greater value. Well, than that's what the VCs are trying
0: to do. They're trying to discover things before they're famous.
1: But I guess my point earlier is that like, in a world in which there are 5 billion famous people, we're all discovering each other before we're famous. Yeah. And that, like, I love that image. I, I, I love the idea of, like, it not being about all these big things, but being about smaller clusters of people who care about one another. It's, it's really... That's the kind yeah. of point I've been trying to make the whole episode. Maybe the, not doing a very good something
0: job. we haven't addressed yet is the, the zeitgeist and that there's this collective consciousness that sometimes something will come up. You're like, oh, I remember... It, it, always been a big fan of nirvana and then i would read interviews who did kurt cobain like And he he liked this and he liked that he was into the melvins and early white Mm -hmm. zombie and then he was really into daniel johnston Mm -hmm. was this outsider weird singer and i started listening to it and then it just popped up everywhere so there was something in the ether telling me to listen to that and then Mm -hmm. he played in my city the the next month or something. And everybody's uh, like, oh, have you heard Daniel Jones? I know, it's amazing. <laughs> so it's 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 not even famous, but it was just in the ether and it just popped up.
1: Well, there was that movie about um, that musician. I, it's so sad, I've already forgotten his name again, that he was like famous in South Africa. I'll put it in the show notes. But no one knew him in Chicago and he was like a homeless... No, he was in Detroit. He's homeless in Detroit. And meanwhile, he was like world famous mm-hmm. in South Africa. And the reason was... Um, some for some reason his his records in took off in South Africa, but he didn't know about it. His record company didn't know about it. Or someone anyway, through some miracle, they have he, they they all they in Africa they thought he was dead, but he was a part of their like culture and their like the na- national identity, and he was just like um, working as like a plumber or construction worker in <laughs> Detroit, and he was like he he couldn't afford heating for his home, and then one day people found out he wasn't dead by some someone connected the dots and you're like wait a second he's not dead and then he goes to south africa and he's he, he plays his first concert there that he's played in like 20 years to like a hundred thousand people <laughs> something ridiculous right and he's like for, you know he's been famous without knowing it for his whole life yeah. and he's like in his 60s are now. very
0: heartwarming
1: it's incredible. But like, that's an incredible like yeah. ah, that that, that it also does get to a good point, which is like, you know, if you're famous and you don't know, it's just like <laughs> you're, you're it's almost like the most wonderful thing in the world because you've yeah. just given the world this gift and you've asked for nothing in return. I mean, the poor guy, though, he was like, you know, kind of he still wasn't famous, by the way, back in America after this happened, after these like so he would like go back to his poor life in construction in Detroit and then every summer he might like go take off to Africa to do a tour. There's (laughs) there's
0: a documentary about the Ramones. You know who the Ramones are? Yeah of course punk band well so famous. But at the time they felt like total losers because they thought they were the new Rolling Stones. So so Mm -hmm. they were thinking in, in that scale. So Right. But there were no indie artists and small labels when they started. You, and I would think ju- of
1: the Ramones today as better than the Rolling yeah, Stones. Yeah, but
0: back then, it, it was either Rolling Stones or nothing, and there were no indie mm-hmm. labels. Right. Uh, so th- the idea of punk success and like being famous in the punk indie world just didn't exist. So they just felt like a failure. They never hit the Billboard 100. Mm, and right at the, the at the end of the documentary... the measurements were wrong, right yeah, and at the end of the documentary, he's like, yeah, anyone else would have been so happy with what we had, but they were just mm-hmm. completely miserable their whole career,
1: right, well, I mean, of course, like Ian Curtis was miserable for being famous too right yeah, yeah. he
0: and and then it's also he would have been miserable otherwise like if
1: it's if, true he was he was he was he had a, had a chemical a problem, yeah chemical issue, yeah, well, I don't know if there's much more to say, except um I, my, my good point is still like this idea of like, I think I like the, the
0: stoicism idea where you're like, okay, um, I need to get the word out. I need people to know about this, but I'm not gonna think of whether, what happens, whether, yeah. whether this curator or that curator likes me that that means that my work is good or bad. That's,
1: that's it. Yeah. Like, maybe you're famous in Tokyo, and you don't even know it. And that's fine. <laughs> like, you know Like, just let it happen. Yeah. Right? Um, but if you care about the work that you're doing and you believe in it and maybe you've branded yourself, even, <laughs> you've done a branding exercise and maybe people don't like your brand. I don't know. Maybe they will in 10 <laughs> years because fashions change. Um, but that's outside your control if you're enjoying it. Right. Like if it, whatever's inside your control. Like and so if you get famous, I think enjoy that fame. If you, there's a small group of people who really don't feel guilty, don't oh, feel bad about it. I, I want to do an great. episode
0: about guilt because it, it comes up a lot.
1: Oh, we should. Yeah. yeah like, uh, no, it's true. Yeah. There's the guilt is a, is a really, yeah, that's a great one for artists too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think I have much more to say about this except that the internet really, I do think, you know, a lot of people are really negative towards millennials for wanting to be narcissists and famous, but really that the whole, the whole idea is actually the exact opposite, which is that if we're all famous, right, then we're distributing, that power and that like distributing that power, that fame power in a broader way with a broader brush, I think is really exciting for us. Now it's, it's wrong if we just like use it to act like jerks as we were talking about, but I think it's beautiful when we use it to acknowledge one another. Well, I I don't
0: know. uh, Yeah. And I think uh, back to the scientific example, if you're Mm -hmm. making an equation and the equation is powerful, if other people use it, uh, you have an idea.
1: So it, you're building culture together. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's a that's way better than with five networks or five startups. Like, if we have a million people making things together and we're all acknowledging it, I just think, that's like, open source well, people are I famous like, in like their like communities. I like the
0: non-commercial license. So,
1: yeah. Well, you know, it's funny, actually, if you're, I don't know if any of our listeners are, uh, probably there are a few who are, like, part of open source projects. On any of those projects or if you're on, like, forums, there's always someone who's famous even on the project or in the forum, right? It's, like, such and such personality. Influencer. And yeah, that's right. They're famous for their influence, or they're famous for like standing out, for being different, right? Usually, either for a contribution of great value, and sometimes that contribution of great value is being strange, <laughs> 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 or being difficult, or whatever. But it, they make things more colorful. I think. I, I don't know. Yeah, cr- I, I think even in a small that's, community. Well, that's like, the
0: other thing. That's a, a dangerous thing. The
1: eccentric, crazy people are very entertaining. <laughs> The extent, the eccentric fame that in that case and, the audience is really winning yeah. and the the poor person. But that's, that's also,
0: being made. Uh, I think Kim Jong Il or Kim Jong Un gave an example. Mm. It's like, yeah, you can complain about me, but I'm the only Asian politician you know mm-hmm. about.
1: You're making me think. You just made me think of something we should have covered earlier, but we didn't. But you know, do you remember Star Wars, boy?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, this so there the dark a, there side was, of fame.
1: Uh, the dark side of fame on the internet is really like so Star Wars boy was this, you know, poor boy who recorded himself uh, like playing with a broom as if he was in Star Wars in Quebec choo, in Canada. Choo, 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 choo. <laughs> yeah. And someone in his class found this videotape in the camcorder of him doing this in private and uploaded it to YouTube. It was one of the first videos uploaded to the internet that way and it became a viral hit. And it became the most viewed video on the internet that year. Um, and it ruined this poor boy's life because every, it was the most remixed video as well. People added like lightsaber sounds and like all kinds of crazy effects. And this boy became famous. And I remember it was really interesting. It was like 2005, 2006, because he was like, I didn't ask for this fame, you know, And because everyone was like, why aren't you happy? Why aren't you excited? Look, you're the most famous sounds person like in the, the world. The also, he,
0: The game right? became famous and he's like, oh, but it's a terrible game. <laughs>
1: right, right right, yeah, yeah. so like yeah, they didn't want the fame and so if it's not wanted uh he, that you know that was his point is you've ruined my life without asking me well that, 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 that's, that's like
0: bullying on a network scale it's a, yeah. yeah
1: yeah that's like a twitter shaming or any of these things and the internet does also allow people to become famous for being for the for making mistakes right yeah um yeah. that might be like just like oh my god i had a split second uh error in judgment and now i'm famous because people jumped on top of that um that actually has gotten i mean it's totally out of control now uh, in relationship with um sometimes for good but often also for bad but that just reminds me of star wars boy look at i'll put star wars boy in the notes oh uh, you're gonna going ruin, ruin his story. life <laughs> we Didn't can he ruin his life again.
0: someone there was an example um, of someone
1: there was a follow-up. I'll try and get that in the show notes too. I, I, I don't know, but there was a follow-up a few years ago with him because his life had ended up very bad as a result yeah. of the whole thing. There's,
0: there's yeah. one thing that, that is interesting is when you have a good idea and you want to get it out, but you're too early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, I, there's tons of examples of people who wanted to start a video website before YouTube and it was kind of working, but the technology mm-hmm. wasn't there, the connection wasn't there. And, and yeah, like real player. Remember real yeah, player? Yeah, and you're trying to get the idea out. And basically, you can replace the word fame for success or user growth, but you're like, the more people use this, the better the product gets. And then sometimes mm-hmm. the idea is just too early. And then, uh, yeah. Same with, yeah. with Friendster and MySpace. And then they just.
1: I mean, that could be true for an artist as well, yeah. I think, probably. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we know that's true very often. And so. Yeah, like, I think what we're getting to in terms of a good point, like, besides my, my, like, But, but yeah, maybe what I'm saying ideas. is, like, <laughs> it, it,
0: as an artist, don't worry too much about it uh, because maybe, you know, you're just a well, bit Well, it's early. like the weather. Yeah,
1: It's kind of like the weather. You can't control it um, unless you're Kim Kardashian, in which case you're some kind of a genius. She's like or... the, the character <laughs> like... from
0: the X-Men that controls the weather.
1: But, of course, we know, like, now people do manipulate um, stunts in the public, like, like they do use fame, like a paintbrush and they know how to manipulate our attention. Mm-hmm. And, um, that like there are PR companies, like I'm about to potentially start working with a PR company, which is very interesting at, at work. As an
0: artist? Or for no, fresh as books? like
1: a, as a designer for fresh books. And it's very interesting to see how they like put together a profile and a brand a story. for you. What's and a story? Like a story. Yeah. with The story for you. Yeah. Um, I will, yeah, I'll report back on how that I, goes. I, I, I
0: will say this just, uh, if you really, if you want to make it in the fine fine art world and the, the, mm-hmm. the world of museums and institutions, you should never promote yourself. You always let other people promote you.
1: Why is that? But that's I don't what know, I, you know, but it's, it, it's this
0: very niche, high-end world where it's it's about trusted reviews. So mm-hmm. it's like saying, no, buy my shoes. They're really good. No, you want someone yeah. else to say, and you want to be inaccessible. You want There should not be a website or a social media account or
1: but that's like the opposite of what I just said about community. Yeah. And it, you're, but you're absolutely but right. That's, I'm so. talking
0: about the, the fine, fine art world, the, the auction world and the museum mm-hmm. world. And if that's right. your main focus, then uh, just get off the internet.
1: But that's also true, and what people, most people probably don't know, like, certainly if they're starting out, is that, like, you're like, oh, my God, these, this famous person's going to be speaking at this conference. I have to go. That famous person doesn't even know that they're going to be at that conference a week before, because <laughs> their whole life is being controlled uh, or dictated by a PR agency um, that, who is working full-time to make that person famous just as, like, a fame machine. <laughs> and it's like... In, in business, there, it's rife with yeah. this because people write these business books that are trash and then they go on these circuits and it's like a whole well, formula it's, th-
0: that's maybe what you were alluding to when you said, do you ever feel guilty for the stepping stone that you're on And there's this thing uh, I always notice that success is exponential so you do your first exhibition and the walls are kind of terrible and the ceiling is ugly and you have to photograph it yourself but you're not that good a photographer mm. so the picture's mm-hmm. not that great then someone sees the exhibition and is like, oh, come to MySpace. It's a little bit nicer and we have a photographer. And so mm-hmm. the photographer takes a better picture and it looks a little bit better. And then the next show, but uh, well, let's get a publicist involved. And every time you, you add steps, it's, it's this uh, exponential curve. And so for someone who is four years behind you, it looks like, oh, how yeah. would I ever get there? But it's not that That's many right. steps.
1: People also will say like, I don't know how you have time. Well, the thing is, I you have a staff. Yeah. The the <laughs> like, other thing. The other thing. You multiply your I, time I, by the by people. Yeah,
0: I know a few people who are showing at the in the top tier, the the bigger galleries and the mm-hmm. the bigger biennials, all this stuff. And there's there's this fear that comes with success because you've you've made a a great exhibition mm-hmm. and it was great reviews and everybody saw it and then. That narrative that you talk about, like a person flying high and crashing, people love that. So the next show, every every critic is like, "Oh, how can I tear this apart?"
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're definitely setting yourself. So it's a scary position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I think that that's probably enough on fame for. (laughs) (laughs) It can be a depressing and a uplifting topic. It's. I think it's a little both. I'm not a cynic about it. I'm also not like. I just see it as a tool. Totally yeah. But and, and yeah.
0: when are we uh, bringing the mugs into the world?
1: Oh, yes. Uh, Raphael uh dear listeners wants you to be able to drink from a good point mug. I guess I, the, I think the, it's the, just the cool the a for meetings
0: when you like you're sipping oh, your cup, and then yeah, uh, someone says something, it's a branding and you, opportunity. you point at the cup. and You're like, "Yeah, good point."
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. I would thought it was like more like for winter. We're all drinking hot beverages. You know, maybe we're well, listening it, to the it's podcast. Odd. You we're can sitting,
0: interpret it any way you like.
1: You know, you're cuddled in a blanket with. It's a couple. They both got good point mugs, <laughs> one by Jeremy. <laughs> you're one by and, Raphael. and the relationship test <laughs> pa-
0: falls apart. You're yeah, like yeah, good no,
1: point. No, no, it brings you closer together. Good point, and, baby. You know the, uh, the, the the hearth of the fireplace and. You're thinking, wow, good point. Good point. Not only uh, does it enrich my life, it also um, brings me closer to my, uh, to my loved one. Yeah, anyway. yeah. <laughs> it, it'll know. be a, well, what
0: do you call it, a stocking stuffer? Like
1: a, yeah. yeah. So speaking of loved ones, so we'll try and get some mugs up on the site. Stay tuned on Twitter. Um, speaking of loved ones, we have a, a field recording um, from your loved one.
0: Yeah, my better half.
1: What is it? It's, Let's uh, call her
0: name one. is Christina Latina.
1: Um, what is it? Her name is Christina. <laughs> uh,
0: she's my wife, uh, uh, my partner, whatever you want to call it, and uh, she kind of has a celebrity name. It's funny when you Google her, if you search oh, on Google yeah. Image, uh, Christina Aguilera is also known as Christina Latina. So, uh,
1: why is that? Because she's Latina?
0: She's not even. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. But uh, why did Christina call herself that?
0: Oh, well, it's her last name.
1: Oh, right, yeah. right, right. Her right. parents
0: named her with a rhyming first <laughs> name and last name.
1: Right, right. But... Uh, it's not because she's she's not a... Yeah, anyway, keep going. Yeah,
0: uh, so she works at a design company, and they had this uh, paper cutter. It's like a sort of CNC machine for uh, regular paper, and she recorded the sound, and it sounds kind of musical. It's uh, it's funny.
1: mm yeah, it does sound like uh, race cars or something to me, it, actually. It doesn't,
0: I it, if if I hadn't told you, I don't think you would have guessed what it was.
1: Mm. Well, we spoiled it for the listeners, but take a listen to the paper being cut. And please keep sending in your field recordings. Yeah. And also, we have a bunch. Your ad- so if we haven't
0: yeah. uh, played your field recording yet, it will come. We just have a, a lot of good submissions right now, so. It's yeah we're missing have.
1: advertisements if there's an ad that you want to run like you want to promote something now's the time maybe it's yeah. maybe it's a ways out maybe that maybe we can get the buzz going early new
0: slash <laughs> so. book buy my book okay okay
1: oh wow plugs <laughs> wow that's new whoa okay i get it the game has changed yeah. all So right let's listen to right.
0: the paper cutter and uh see you all next week thanks so much bye. Bye. love you <laughs> bye